0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus replied, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care, be on guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. During my recent trip to Scotland, I had the opportunity to visit with a couple who belong to one of the Iona communities that follow a rule which requires a high level of mutual accountability in their life together. The intent in these small groups related to Iona that exist around the world is to help each other and to support each other in the challenging and life-giving call to follow the way of Christ. As we all know, that call is at the very center of our Christian faith. But it is not always easy to follow. Sometimes we love what we hear. And sometimes, if we truly listen, the call of Jesus is unsettling and disturbing and maybe even offensive to our ears. And that especially is when we cannot go it alone. Take, for example, the many times in Jesus' teaching when he addresses the struggles that we human beings have with money. Our instinct, when we hear his challenging words, is to isolate ourselves from any open, honest discussion or examination of the truth. And we tend to just wrestle with that internally. After all, we say what we do with our money and with our possessions is a private thing. The problem, as identified by the founders of Iona Communities, is that we all tend to take the easy road when we don't go public with our thoughts and feelings and experiences in important matters like this whether we are rich or poor or anywhere, anywhere in between, our relationship with money tends to be very complicated. And because of that, I think we do all need each other. We need the support and the encouragement that we can give to each other as we seek to live out what we would consider to be healthy, gospel-centered lives in Christ. Few of us around the world take that to the level that's expected in the Iona communities. But I have to say that I'm ex- I am inspired by the example that they set. In a key section of the rule that is observed by all full members, they say, We commit ourselves to supporting one another in prayer and by meeting, communicating, and accounting with one another for the use of our gifts, money, money, and time, and our use of the earth's resources. Think about that, especially the part where it says, we will account with one another for our use of money. It is a bold and risky commitment that requires a very high level of trust. But when I talked with that couple at Iona about this, they said it was actually a liberating experience for both of them. Because when they brought that part of their faith story out into the light of day, it opened the door to a much more thoughtful and deliberate process of decision-making. And it gave them a chance to wrestle with all of those things that we might wrestle with internally in the company of kindred spirits who shared so many of the same challenges and opportunities. In the parable that Jesus tells today about the rich man who sits at home alone and talks to himself, we see what it looks like when people do the exact opposite. The man is not only alone, but the number of times he says, I and me, in one little paragraph is really amazing. What should I do, he says, for I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Left to himself, the man thinks he's actually being very wise. But the sharp edge of the story comes when God calls him out as a fool. It's harsh, yes. But it is a truthful description of what happens to any of us when we isolate ourselves from others and from God and lean only on our own resources. Without the company of other people and other voices of wisdom, this vulnerable person got duped. He got duped by the same seductive lies that we hear today. On his own, he bought the lie that his possessions could somehow secure his future. On his own, he believed the false narrative that his stockpile of goods was somehow more important and more life-giving even than the opportunities they gave him to be generous toward others and toward God. On his own, he was deceived by the spirit of greed that is always knocking on the hearts of human beings, offering us a promise of well-being and wholeness apart from God. In his commentary on this parable, Matthew Skinner writes, the story offers an explanation for why otherwise ordinary, hard-working people might end up existing in their own self-absorbed universes. The man in the parable, he says, has chosen to live in a world of one, speaking to himself about the pleasures he can enjoy. His words reveal that no one else really matters to him. He is the epitome of a me-first ideology, and hoarded advantages. In the painting by James Janknett that is on the screen, we see a vivid depiction of this. To me, it is not a comparison in any way of life as a single person versus life in a family. Rather, I think the artist is trying to show us the difference between life turned inward on the self and life turned outward to others. To the left, the foolish man sits all by himself, surrounded by things, but just as vulnerable as every person on the planet to the threat of death. Commenting on this, one observer noted, he looks like an isolated, insecure soul who has forgotten human connection, forgotten God's generosity and provision, Forgotten that in the face of death, we are all paupers, but for the grace of God. To the right, we see a light-filled room that is full of people sharing life together. We don't know if they are rich or poor or both. And I like that because I think the parable itself is told for people of all economic and social classes. And in that spirit, I like to imagine that we are the ones gathered there around that table, having an open and honest conversation about money and possessions. When it was my turn to speak, I would admit that this parable is a hard one for me because it engages me in the kind of self examination that I want to avoid. I would admit that my first line of defense when I hear it is to look for some biblical or theological loophole that will allow me to continue my accumulation of money and possessions without having to change. I would admit, too, that the parable scares me, It scares me to think about any kind of radical change in the way that I spend and save and give away money. And finally, I would admit that there is a big part of me that does not want to open this up to anyone else's opinion or judgment about what I do. But here's one more truth. It is true that there is also a place deep within me that longs for that kind of transparency. Deeper than my defensiveness and my fear, there is a desire in me to learn from others who have wrestled with these same internal and external forces. And there is a desire to explore faithful ways to live in the way of Christ with kindred spirits who acknowledge how hard that is and who still want to persist. And finally, in spite of everything that is in me that resists the call to be less consumptive and more generous, I truly do want to be a part of the economic transformation and redistribution of wealth that is urgently needed in our society and in our global community. This is one of those cases where I can't see how any of us can say that we are following the way of Christ and preserve the status quo. Jesus dedicated a major part of his teaching to the sinful realities of economic injustice. And he sacrificed his life in an effort to bring transformation, to fight the, cha- the forces that were opposed to this, and to change that brokenness into a new kind of wholeness in which everyone had enough and no one had too much. We can't hear his tone of voice when we read his words today in this reading. But when Jesus says, take care, be on guard against all kinds of greed, I imagine the heartfelt and compassionate inflection that could only come from a person who loves us dearly and longs for us to experience the very best that life has to offer. So let's find a way to do this together, to help each other and to support each other in the challenging and life-giving call to follow the way of Christ. Thanks be to God. AMEN.